I have known many who I consider to be great godly men of God. I pray that you have met some men like that as well in your life. It seems like these men that I'm talking about, they've lived this exemplary life. They have preached life-changing messages, whether it be from the pulpit or with their lives. They have served the Lord, and they've done so with honorable motives. It has inspired me so much, and I'm so thankful for these men who lived Jesus in front of me that I just am wanting now God to do with me what those men did for me. I want my life to make a positive difference. I want to preach God's word with passion and power and integrity. And I want to do it, most of all, with pure motives. I believe that the Apostle Paul was this kind of man. This godly kind of man that we can all look up to. With Paul's great influence and Paul's great power in the early church, there is no doubt that Paul faced temptation to do things from an improper motive. We need to be careful of that as well. That what we do for the Lord, we do with proper motives. However, in my study of all the scriptures, not one time have I ever found a record of Paul, this great man of God, uh, using his authority or using his influence for improper motives. He's always done it with honorable, pure motives. Instead, this great man of God was a living example of what a genuine Christian should be. Now last week, we began studying a book of the Bible that caused change in countless people who made an unforgettable imprint on world history. In the first seven verses of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul showed us what a saint of God looks like. That a saint of God has, is a faithful messenger. Did you hear that? He is, she is a faithful messenger. But he or she is not only a faithful messenger, she or he is a faithful messenger with a factual message. A true message and also a very focused ministry to display and reveal that factual message. Now Paul, beginning in verse 8, turns the spotlight on himself. And when you do that, when you put the spotlight on yourself, you open yourself up to be seen with all your flaws, with all your misgivings, with all your misdeeds, and maybe with even your improper motives. But we find with the Apostle Paul, instead, beginning these eight verses, that Paul reveals nine traits of genuine Christian character that tell us in no uncertain terms what a Christian should be. It's my privilege to share with you part one of two this morning as I share with you and ask you to allow the Word of God to speak to you about what a Christian should be. On page 999 on the, in the Bibles in front of you, if you want to follow along in Romans chapter 1, 
page 999, uh, I want to share with you Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Paul says, first, say first. So before we go any further, you got to get this part right, okay? First, verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor, a debtor to both Greeks and barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So much as it is in me, I am ready, praise God, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Today, let's place ourselves alongside this great man of God and let's see how we measure up to the Apostle Paul. Let's take a look at what every Christian should be. First of all, every Christian should be thankful. Look there in verse 8. Paul begins. He says, what does he say first? He says, what? What does he say? First. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. As Paul begins this letter to the Romans, he says, I'm thankful for you guys. I want to say this morning, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for your faith that resonates all over this community. But Paul begins to tell them how he has been profoundly touched by how the whole world is talking about the faith of this church. You see, Paul didn't plant the church at Rome. Paul didn't start that church. The faithful body of believers at Rome was started by somebody else. Some men would have been real jealous of such a successful church. Can I tell you that sometimes I have to fight off jealousy when I hear about all the baptisms going on at such and such a church. When I hear about all the great numbers going on over here at such and such a church, that I gotta make sure that I'm not jealous I mean, these Christians, though, in Rome, they weren't just the talk of the town. They were the talk of the whole world. Their faith was the talk of the whole world. Imagine for a second if they were talking over in Korea about y'all. In South Korea, for sure. Uh, that was a bad illustration now. Uh, how about in India? You got anybody over there? Uh, anyway, uh, in India... People are saying, man, y'all won't believe the faith of Bethel Baptist Church. You know that, that church over there in Anderson, Alabama? I mean, imagine that. Imagine in Asia, over there in England, down in Australia. Man, you are not going to believe the faith of that church over there at Bethel. Let us just desire to have that kind of faith that everybody talks about, the faith in the Lord. Everywhere that Paul traveled... He talked, people talk about the faith of these believers. Instead of being jealous, though, Paul chose to be thankful. 
He could praise the Lord whether it was part of his ministry or not. It didn't matter. The Lord was being glorified. He was thankful. Every one of us here today can take a lesson from this statement. God wants his children to be thankful people. Did you hear that, friends? God wants his children to be thankful people. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's the will of God for you to be thankful. God has given us so many things. He has blessed us so much, so much to be thankful for, yet for the most part, I fear that we're not thankful. Rather, we're thankless. So how do you go about cultivating a thankful spirit? I think the real answer lies in placing Jesus at the center of who you are. The real answer in cultivating a thankful spirit is placing Jesus as the primary focus because when you place him as the primary focus in your life, can I tell you, you will always be satisfied. Jesus never dissatisfies. He always satisfies. On the other hand, if it takes some material possessions for you to be satisfied, if it takes physical blessings for you to be satisfied, you're likely going to be depressed. You're likely going to be disappointed. You're likely going to feel defeated. For example, when church attendance is down here at Bethel, that is when, when you choose not to come, when you choose not to come and, and worship with the rest of the church family, can I tell you transparently that I get discouraged? When church attendance is down, can I tell you, just being honest with you, that sometimes I get depressed? Can I tell you when you choose not to come to plug in or to connect with the youth group or connect with your life group or whatever, can I tell you that sometimes I get disappointed? But this last week, I learned that if I get depressed when you don't come, I will likely get puffed up when you do come. In other words, if I take the blame when you don't come, then I'll probably take the credit when you do come. Do you see what God might be doing for your brother Bill today? The secret for me is this. The secret for me is doing what Paul said. First, be thankful. First, be thankful, Bill, that you got the privilege to preach the word of God. Bill, be thankful, first and foremost, that you get the privilege of serving Jesus. First, Bill, be thankful that you get to serve God regardless of what they do. Amen? See, when that occurs, when I'm thankful, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm thankful with God, what God is doing, when I'm thankful for just being, or, or just thankful for being faithful to God, Thankful for uh, being faithful to what he's called me to do. Faithful for just, just pleasing Jesus. I get satisfied. You see, genuine thankfulness results in genuine satisfaction. Greater thankfulness in your life will yield greater satisfaction in your life. So you have 
two choices. You can be thankless and unsatisfied or thankful and very satisfied. You pick. God's given us all so many things to be thankful for. We ought to be thankful. I mean, we reap what we sow. You reap thankfulness and you get to sow or harvest satisfaction. Which one do you choose? Tell me. Satisfaction, amen. We all want that. We all want that in our life. So every Christian should be thankful so that we can enjoy and be satisfied with this Christian life. But every Christian should also be committed. Check it out in verse 9. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Paul's telling all these Christians now that he is absolutely totally committed to the Lord. Can you say this morning that you are absolutely totally committed to the Lord? Does your life reflect it? What does your life reflect as far as your commitment to the Lord? For Paul, every word he uttered, everything that he wrote, everywhere he went, Paul was a living, breathing, walking, talking example of what a sold-out Christian looks like. How about you? Does that define you in the workplace? Does that define you in your marriage? Does that define you in your family relationships? Does that define you in your community? Can I tell you, this explains the reason for Paul's great success. He was absolutely sold out. Sold out to Jesus Christ. And when nothing matters more than what matters to Jesus, Jesus' work gets done. Y'all hear that? When nothing matters more than what matters to God, God's work will be done through you. Now, I can't tell you where this strikes you in your life. I can't tell you where this message finds you, but it finds me lacking. It finds me with a whole lot of room for improvement. And so my desire is, is that I'll do what Paul did. And I'll strive to be that totally committed, that absolutely sold out believer. Notice that word in verse 9, that word serve. We tend to think that that word serve means like a servant. Here's my plate, right? But that word serve is the same word that's translated worship in other areas of the New Testament. It's my opinion that there's no greater form of worship than heartfelt service to God. When you're serving the Lord in whatever capacity, whether it be here or out there, there is no greater form of worship that you could give to the Lord than serving Him. Every Christian should be thankful. Every Christian should be committed. Is your life committed? If you're a believer, it should be. I'll get to it in a few months, but, but check this out in Romans chapter 12. Paul says to these same believers, I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, which is your reasonable worship. That means every part of you, from your waking up to your going to sleep, from your sunrise to your sunset, God wants all of you, day in and day out. You cannot compartmentalize your life. You can't say, this is my section, God. You can have that section. He wants it all. 
Amen. We ought to be committed. Every Christian should be thankful. Every Christian should be committed. But also, every Christian should be prayerful. Notice there at the end of verse 9. For he says, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Now, Paul's primary ministry was preaching the gospel of God's Son. Preaching the word of God. However, Paul had a secondary ministry. And that secondary ministry was just as important to him, just as important to God as the first was. Paul also had a ministry of prayer. That is, Paul, this man of God, made this ministry of prayer his priority. And these Roman believers were never taken off of Paul's prayer list. Amen? Sadly, I, because there's so many needs, I have to kind of cycle off our prayer list. There are some that we, we can let stay, but a lot of times those cycle off. Well, Roman, Roman uh, believers, they were always on Paul's prayer list. He constantly prayed for them. Now, there's no record of how he prayed for them, but there is a record of how he prayed for other churches. Let me give you a couple of quick examples. Uh, he also prayed for the church at Ephesus. And here's what he said. Make sure I get the right place. Ephesians 3.14. He said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family of heaven is named, and that he would grant you, this is what he's praying for these believers, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Praying for strength with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend that you guys will get it. Can I pray? That's what I pray for you guys. I pray that you guys get it. I pray that you are able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ for you. That's my prayer for you, that you're able to get it. Amen? But he didn't stop there because he also prayed uh, to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter, nine, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, he said, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense before Christ. Can I tell you that that's my prayer for you, that you may be able to walk an excellent life, a life totally dedicated and sold out to the Lord. But Paul ain't finished. He also wrote to the church at Colossae in chapter 1, verse 9. He said, uh, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in our wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy. Man, I pray that for y'all, that y'all may walk worthy day in and day out. Walk worthy of what? Of the Lord fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. He was praying for all manner of churches, and I suspect that's the same kind of prayer that he was praying for these Roman believers. What's my point? My point is, is that Paul was a man of prayer. And his praying wasn't selfish. He wasn't praying for him to be successful. He wasn't praying for him to be prosperous. He was praying for others instead of himself. Now, I mean, that's a heck of a lesson for us, amen? Because I don't know about you, but I'll get to a point every now and then where it's, Lord, help me. 
Lord, bless me. Lord, bless my family. Lord, help me. Lord, meet my need. But I think God wants us to engage in a ministry of intercessory prayer. That is, praying for others. That means feeling the, the burdens of people enough to where you're praying for others instead of yourself so much. Galatians chapter 6 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 15.1 says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the weaknesses of the weak and not to please ourselves. See, God wants us involved in a prayer ministry that touches the life of other people. And when you do that, that's what you do. You touch the lives of other people. So how would you describe your prayer life today? Dismal? Non-existent? Selfish? Self-centered? I mean, who is the main topic of your prayers? Is it you? Or is it others? Again, I don't know about you. But this is an area where I think we can all improve. I also find that every Christian should be surrendered. Look in verse 10. Making request, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. See, Paul didn't stop just by praying for others. What he also prayed is that he might be the instrument of God in answering those prayers. He want to be the one that God put feet on to answer the prayers that he's lifting up. His desire was to travel to Rome. That's what he wanted to do. But he was willing to surrender his will to the will of God. Paul was willing to lay aside his own plans so that he might know and do the will of God. Friend, are you willing? Are you willing to know the will of God? Are you willing to do the will of God? If you do want to do that, then something's got to happen. You've got to lay aside your own plans and do the will of God. It's so vitally important that Christians in this day and time come to the place of surrender. God wants us to be willing to place his will ahead of our own. So if you're willing, if you're willing to do that, I'll give you a promise this morning. You ready? Say amen if you're ready. Amen. If you're willing to do this this morning, to lay aside your own plans, to lay aside your own will, to follow the will of God, if you will be willing to do that this morning, I will tell you, I will promise you that God will enter your life and he will change your agenda. He'll do it. The problem is, are we willing? You know, when you have a heart like Paul's, when you have a heart like Paul's, you got a, a heart that the Lord can use for his glory. Why? Because it's a heart like Jesus's. Amen? When you have a heart like Paul's, you got a heart whose greatest aspiration is to please the Father. That's all you care about is pleasing God. In every relationship, in every place, in everything you do, in everything you say, in everything you pray, in everything you think, all you want to do is please God. You find yourself in that place today. 
John chapter 4, Jesus said, my food, my very sustenance, my very powerful being, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Get this, for I always do the things that please him. Can that be said of you today? Do you always do the things that please God? Lord, give us a heart like that. Amen? I want a heart like that that strives to please God. Imagine what the Lord could do with a church house full of people who say, I want to please you in everything I do. Can you imagine what God would be doing through this church? Can you imagine what God could do through a church that's totally sold out, doing his will ahead of everything else? Man, there is no telling. Eyes have not seen nor ears heard what God might do through a church like that. Friends, every Christian should be thankful. Every Christian should be committed. Every Christian should be prayerful. But most of all, every Christian should be surrendered. But I want to give you one final one today, and we'll resume this next week, because every Christian should also be usable. Usable. Look in verse 11. Paul said, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you might be established, so that you might be encouraged. He continues to reveal his heart to these Roman believers, just saying, Well, this is why I want to come. This is the reason I want to come and visit with you. I want to share with you a gift that God's given me. That's all. He's not referring to the gifts of the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can give those. He's not referring to the gifts of, the, of salvation. Only faith in Christ can give that. What he's talking about is God has blessed me with some things that I want to share with you. I want to come to Rome and I want to share with you these things so that you might grow in your relationship with God. Can I tell you that that kind of surmises my whole desire for you? All I want to do is, because listen, I ain't nothing. Amen? I ain't got nothing. I am nothing. But here's what I want to do. I want to give whatever it is God's given me and I want to give it to you. Why? Because I want you to grow in your relationship as God has grown my relationship with him. I pray that you receive that which I try to share with you. It's like Paul saying, God's blessed me. He's blessed me real good. Now I want to share with you with what he's blessed me with. So more than anything, Paul said, I want to be usable in the hands of the Lord. Do you? Paul's not saying hey, I want to come over to y'all's church and I want to do it all. He's not saying, I want to come over to y'all's church and I want to take over. He says, I'm just willing to be used by the Lord in any way if it will just help you in some small way. All I want to do is help you. Man, that's the attitude we all need. Would you agree? That's the attitude we all need. Our goal should be to humble ourselves before the Lord, to humble ourselves before each other, and just say, God, all I want is to be used as an instrument in your hand. If you will do that, I'll be satisfied. I'll be happy. Friend, there is no greater privilege for the Christian 
than to be used by the hand of God. Did you hear that? No greater privilege. And there is a great need today in, in churches and the people of the church for people not to be primarily interested in their own agenda, but rather to be focused on what God wants to do, whose main goal is just to be used of the Lord. Just to be used. All these folks want to do is they just want to be a blessing to somebody else. They just want to share a little of what God has given them. Are you one of those kind of people? Can you honestly say that your life is a vessel that God can use? Is that your greatest desire is just to be a blessing to somebody? Well, listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription written on it. The Lord knows who are his. That's piercing. The Lord knows who are his. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from wickedness. And then he gives an illustration real quickly. And he says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and ceramic. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. And the cheap utensils are used for everyday use. He says, if you'll keep yourself pure, if you'll keep yourself pure, you'll be a special instrument for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you in every good work. Friend, I can't speak for you, but I want to be used by the hand of God. That is my greatest desire in life, is to be used by the hand of God. I believe that it's safe to say that, that Paul represents what a Christian should be. Amen? But I wonder today if you've taken the time to examine your life. I wonder today if you've realized, you know what? There are some areas in my life that need to change. Have you said, are there areas in my life where I just need to hush and be thankful? Amen? In other words, quit you complaining, quit you whining, just be thankful. Amen? I've been there. I am there. Amen? If you're honest, is your prayer life kind of dismal, kind of non-existent, kind of self-centered? If you're honest, are there areas of your life that you just need to surrender to the Lord? You know what they are. Brother Bill may not know what they are. My, my wife may not know what they are. But there are areas that need to be surrendered unto the Lord. Friends, are there any of you out here today who you're born again? There's no doubt about it. You are part of God's family. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are born again. You are blood-bought. You are heaven-bound but you're just not usable in the hands of God. Can I tell you today, if that's the case, something 
is wrong. If that's the case, something's wrong. And you need to get that straight. And I'll tell you that today is your day. All God desires you to be is a faithful instrument in his hand. Don't fight it. You were born again to receive that privilege. You were born again by the blood of Jesus Christ to be used by the hand of God. If it's an issue that's not true with you, I pray that during this invitation time, you come forward, I'll be glad to pray with you about that. If there's something you know you need to get straight with the Lord so that you can be used by the hand of God, come forward, I pray we will do that. Whatever your need is this morning, whatever area needs to change or be aligned with this beautiful illustration of what a Christian should be, just come forward. Let's pray about it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for the joy of being a Christian. Lord, I pray that we are all thankful. Lord, I pray that we are all committed. Lord, I pray that we are all prayerful.